in the house of the Lord tonight. What a privilege it is for us. Early this morning I was awakened before daylight and I heard the Spirit of the Lord say these words. The danger of an unsurrendered heart. The danger of an unsurrendered heart. So I'd like to speak to you tonight about that. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Let's read this verse 9 again. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Also, Psalms 26, if you wouldn't mind, remain standing. Verse 2. Examine me, O Lord. And prove me. Try my reins and my heart. Psalms 139, verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Verse 24. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Amen. Let's bow our heads together and ask the Lord to bless his word and make our hearts to be open. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for another opportunity that we've been given to be able to gather here with your children, your people. Thank you for the tremendous service this morning, Lord. Thank you for Brother Andrew getting out of the way and bringing the Word of God to challenge our hearts. We thank you so much for men of God in this day who do not have an agenda. They do not have a kingdom that they are trying to build for themselves. Even so, Lord Jesus, we've come here year after year after year. Many of these young ones started out maybe when they were just at the age where they could come, and they've come time after time. And they've seen it, surely, with their own hearts. And we want Brother Tim and his church and the ministry that he's had in here that they're not interested in building their own kingdom, their own private interpretation of the word, but just to get you to the people and to make you more real in their hearts and lives. That, again, is our purpose this year, Father. Lord, I pray that you'd help us tonight. Speak to us your word. May our hearts be... As we heard this morning, the fallow ground that can be broken up to be able to receive the seed word. Speak to us tonight, Father, for it's in the name of the Lord Jesus that we ask it. Amen. 
God bless you. You may be seated. Certainly want to say how much we enjoyed Brother Andrew this morning. Didn't he do a great job? Amen. Amen. Fine young man. It might seem like a peculiar thought, the danger of an unsurrendered heart. But yet, when we look at what the heart, which is the English word, of course, coming from the Greek word cardia, which was the not just the muscle in your chest that is pumping your blood, but it is that what they perceived as psyche or conscience or soul, that's something which inspires you. It's your motives, it's your ambitions, it's what you want to become in life. And here is a man like Jeremiah that had such an insight in the Old Testament because he had dealt with so many uh, of the children of Israel which claimed to be the seed of Abraham, and naturally they were. But he saw in many of them a heart, as he referred to it, that was so far away from God. And David, the same, a man after God's own heart, yet looking at his heart to see if there was something there that displeased the Lord. Let me share something with you, and we'll read a few quotes so you'll see the direction that I'd like to go. In the message called El Shaddai, the prophet tells us, when you come to total obedience, then you can have possession. But until you totally obey, You've got to completely surrender your own thoughts, your own will, your own mind, and let the mind of Christ operate in you. Now, do you think the mind of Christ in you would say the days of miracles is past? Do you think the mind of Christ in you would say the Bible's right in some places and not in others? The mind of Christ would sanction every word that Christ ever said. You see, a complete surrender to the will of God is what brings the living realities of everything that God desires for His people. Now, it might seem that people that are in church and people that are at least trying to do something for the Lord, that they are headed in the right direction. And that is so many times. But yet Satan has found in dealing with humanity... If he cannot stop them from going toward God, then if he can stop them from going all the way and arriving where God wants them to be, they will never receive the reality of what God wants them to have. Now, they can go through the motions of Christianity. They can raise their hands. They can have all the message cliches, which are common to us. And they can say all the right words. And when they get around their buddies and their friends, they know what to say. They know how to put on the act and act as if though they are a real believer. Yet when they get by themselves or they get with other people and they get alone on their phone or whatever more, then they go to really displaying what they really truly are from the heart but yet Satan is so cunning and so wise and remember all of us together our ages being put together none of us would be able to compare to the ability that Satan has learned in dealing with human beings over 6,000 years of experience he defeated David 
He defeated Moses with his temper. On and on and on we could go. We are absolutely no match for the devil on our own. No matter how long we've been around the message, how well we know the word, we could quote the scripture backwards and forwards, and the devil can quote it right along with you and let you know you left out an and and a z or a for and a but and whatever more. Because he can quote the word, and there's an element of the word that he can even place it positionally to be able to confuse you about the will of God. But we know also, listen to this, Brother Branham says, when you surrender fully, he will come in fully. But when you fully surrender until you do, he cannot come in fully. Surrender your thoughts, your thinking, your life, everything you are. Again, in unfailing realities, God wants a complete surrender. Do you believe that? God wants a surrender. How can he show you realities before you surrender yourself to him? You've got to surrender. So Satan tries to keep people from giving their all to God, knowing that God will be bound or hindered from allowing the full realities to be able to express themselves in their lives. And then what does the devil do? The devil turns right around and blames God. Now you've tried, you've bore reproach for the Lord, you've give up this and that and the other, and look at God. You've been asking for the Holy Ghost, you've been asking God to do this or that or the other for you, and look at Him. He don't love you. Well, you're probably not bride. You're probably not elect. Now you understand Satan does not use that argument against the denominational people. You know why? They don't know the truth about the bride. They don't have to deal with all of that like you do. So if you struggle and you've got things going on in your life, and what's one of the first things Satan will say? Well, you're probably not bride. You're probably not elect. You're probably not going in the rapture. Well, let's just go to this way and say, if I'm not elect, I'm still not going to hell. If I'm not bride, and I believe with all of my heart that I'm not, but I still am not going with him. Because if I want to be saved, even if I ain't bride, God's obligated to make a place for me to be able to place my foot and say, this is right. Look, friend, if you let the devil, he will defeat you on every turn that you make and try to keep you away from the realities of God. Now, when I'm talking about realities, I'm not talking about you knowing what someone else knows about God. And you experiencing what maybe these ministers would experience or maybe even your mother or father. But the prophet tells us even our experiences are predestinated by God. And the level that God wants you to go, I find it to me an amazing statement. And souls that are in prison now that when Brother Brennan prays, that he said, Father, I pray you'd help each man, woman, boy, and girl to be able to understand in the capacity that they are ordained to understand in. So that lets me know that there are different capacities of understanding standing even of the revelation of the word we know that is true and yet if we compare ourselves to one another Paul even says they that compare themselves among themselves are not wise you don't want your brother's experience you don't want brother Tim's experience my experience you want what God has ordained for you and that is that you can know him in the power of the resurrection now notice again the prophet said maybe some of you here tonight 
night, a backslider. You'll be miserable all the days of your life, and you ought to be, until you surrender yourself to God. Now, what is the danger, then, of an unsurrendered heart? You see, a person who feels a drawing to the Lord because we are made up a, a triunity, a trinity as God is, that we have a soul, a spirit, and a body, that God can begin to pull on our spirit. And our spirit is imagination, conscience, memory, reason, and affection. We can love and even love God and still be a devil. We could have the baptism of the Holy Ghost every hour of our life in our spirit and still not be sealed in our soul. Whenever we baptize a person in water and we put a handkerchief over their mouth and nose or they close their mouth and nose and we immerse them in the water and we bring them back up, guess what? Not one drop of water entered into their body. A person could be baptized into the Holy Ghost in their spirit. They could jump, shout, run, dance, prophesy, do all kinds of things, have healing signs, wonders, and miracles, and still be a devil in their soul. Praise the Lord. And on the other hand, you might be a sealed son or daughter of God and you may never perform a miracle in your life. And that does not mean that you're not sealed by the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, you think that Satan wants to keep us from the living reality. If he could not stop the prophet from bringing it, then he'll try to stop the preachers from preaching it. If he can't stop them from preaching it and get them sidetracked on their own little agenda, their own little idea, then he will try to stop you from receiving what they preach. Because the whole thing is you are the only threat that is left on this old earth. All the rest of the earth, the devil owns every one of them. He is the chief major of all politics. Come on now. No matter whether you're a Democrat or Republican, the devil is king of both sides. That's right. So no matter what denomination a person will belong to, the devil's in charge of all of that. So there's only one group of people on the face of the earth tonight that he cannot control, and that's the seed of God. Now, how would that make you feel if you'd been wanting the control of this earth for 6,000 years and there was only a handful of people left on the earth? Oh, hallelujah. And if it wasn't for those handful of people, you would have everybody on the earth under your control. So would you look at those people and say, I love you so much. Thank you. He hates you. He despises you. And our feelings are mutual. Are they not? You know, it's, it's an amazing thing when you see the foreshadows in the Old Testament, how that God was able to give people in the Old Testament certain things and they would be able to yield that certain thing anointed back into the presence of God and God could use it. Now, when we think of them, of course, we think of Samson, we think of Saul, we think of David, we think of many different ones like that. And God raised them up. In the time of Samson, it was a time or the era of what the Bible calls the time of judges. And it was people that were gifted by God, each judge a little bit different, but they were gifted by God to help the children of Israel. And we know that God would give them the ability to fight or the ability to be able to maneuver by policy and politics. Whatever God gave them and they would 
would give that back to God and God would use that to deliver his people. But yet many of those men and those women that God used, they were never able to completely succumb to the will of God and give the everything they were so the full reality of God could be inside of them. And you know already, of course, that the Old Testament people did not have the new birth so they could only give to God that which was allowable under the experience that they had. And Samson was such a man. Let's look at him for a little bit. Samson was a man that God had appeared to his mother, of course, the angel of the Lord, and he had a supernatural declaration before his birth. He's going to be a Nazarite, that he won't drink wine, he won't cut his hair. He's going to have all of these things that he's going to do for the kingdom of God. In return, God will give him great strength. Now, we'll be strength, it'll be superhuman, it'll be beyond anything that has ever been experienced before. And in keeping this, this man, as long as he submitted this part to God, he was able to be a great instrument in the hands of God. Except for, Samson could never give God his heart. Now, God gave him strength, and God gave him the ability to use that strength. And the miracle was that Samson was not a great big muscular guy, and Samson did not have a monthly uh, subscription, you know, go to some place where he worked out and lifted weights, and, and Samson wasn't on steroids for his muscles, and he was not drinking protein drinks and all that. But the prophet tells us he was a little mama's boy, a little shrimp, and had seven little curls hanging down his back. But he was able, when he would get in the tight spot, that he could surrender that gift which God anointed him. That was faith in the promise of God. Now, his gift was very simple, yet it was very renowned as well. It was believing that somehow a supernatural God would be able to anoint a shrimp and turn that shrimp into something that was superhuman. That was his gift, right, brothers? It was the ability that Samson believed that God could do this, and he had to keep his part of the bargain. But yet he was never able to give his heart to God. So in his heart was adultery. In his heart was fornication. In his heart was compromise. In his heart was a desire to go down to the daughters of the Philistines and to actually compromise God's word. But yet when he would get in a dilemma, the Spirit of God would move upon Samson and he would surrender not his heart but he would surrender his face in his gift. His gift was a deposit that God gave him. And whenever he would have faith in that, oh, automatically the Spirit of God would come and it would perform supernatural things that was just phenomenal. You remember reading it, of course, in the Scripture. Notice this. Brother Random says about Samson, Samson gave his strength to God, but he gave his heart to Delilah. Now notice how a human being can be so severed in what God gives them. Some people give God their ability to sing. And God gifts them when they are born and maybe a strain runs and their family and they're really gifted to sing or play music or whatever more and they get up and my they so sing and they are anointed to sing but yet they have habits in their life and they can never give up maybe smoking or they can never give up you know these little sinful things that's going on in their life and they feel terrible about it they feel awful about it and they feel ashamed when they get up to sing but all they know is when they get up to sing they get so anointed and people are so blessed and people come to them after the service and say oh thank you thank you I was so blessed and I was going through such a terrible time and God used you to help me and what does that do 
It encourages them to keep on going the way they're going. Now, will that person ever know the realities of God? Never. Oh, Lord God. Will they ever come into that spot as long as they are relying on their ability to play the piano or the guitar or whatever more? Look, it's not just singers. I hate to say it, but the truth of it is we've got preachers in our ranks. And had preachers in our ranks that were gifted to speak. They were gifted to take the word and put it together. But even some of them never was able to give their complete heart and soul to God. Notice this. Brother Branham says, that's the way it is today. How many men will go away to a seminary and they learn and become an intellectual giant and learn all the Greek and everything else? But when it comes to truth, they'll give the strength of their education to the Lord, but his heart to the church. Give the strengths of their education. Oh my, this is something we do not want to do in the message. Even as preachers, we don't want to give the strength of our ability to listen to tapes and study the word and give that. Oh my, and let the Holy Ghost use us and let our very heart go to the message move. I'm not interested in a message move. Come on now, saints. I am not interested in a message move. I'm interested in the Holy Ghost move. We're not interested in becoming Branhamites. We want to be Holy Ghost filled children of God. Notice again, this is so amazing to me. God has an awful time. Can you imagine God having an awful time? God has an awful time getting a fellow to yield to him. Like Samson, he was kind of a ladies man. He yielded his strength to God, but he wouldn't give his heart to God. He gave that to Delilah. Yeah, it was not Delilah that called him. It was not Delilah that gave him his strength. Isn't it amazing how that he would sever the heart from God and give God, okay, God, look, I can't give you everything. I'm sorry. This is all that I can give you. Take it or leave it. So God would anoint him, strength would come, God would help him, and he'd go right back to the bed of Delilah. A fornicator, compromiser on God's word. And yet the Holy Ghost come back upon him again, and my great power would come upon him. He'd pick up rock, great big gigantic gates, and pack them from the rock of Etom, and come down and set them down weighing hundreds of pounds. And the Spirit of God leave him. And when it would leave him in the anointing, wear off in his heart, he'd say, where's Delilah? Where's Delilah? The danger of an unsurrendered heart. Your sisters can give your hair to God. You can wear your long hair. Thank you for doing that. But you can give your hair to God. You can give the length of your dress to God. You brothers can keep earrings out of your ears and tattoos off your face and your body. Your brothers, thank you for not wearing dresses to church tonight, brothers. You don't know how much I appreciate that. 
Amen. But you can do that. And you can give God your masculinity looking like a man. Or the females give their femininity to God. And look like that. But does he have your heart? Does he just have your hair? Or does does he just have your ears where there's no holes in them? Or he has your nose where there's no nose ring. And your hair is not green and purple. And, and all that sort of thing. But he wants more than that. He wants more than your ears. He wants more than your nose. He wants our hearts. And may I say to you tonight, this is not just to the young people. It's to every one of us. Almighty God wants every heart in this place. Not only those that are present, but those that will be able to stream this. God every one, wants every one of us. From the youngest to the oldest. From the deacon to the trustee to the pastor to the evangelist. Almighty God desires to reveal his living reality of what this message is to us. And what it's all about. But he'll only do it. If we will give him our hearts, we can give him our ability to sing and we'll still never know reality. The preachers can give their gifts to preach. Still don't mean they'll know realities. There's only one way to get reality. You give God your heart. God exchanges and says, all right, now I give you reality. Now, you know this message is true. Well, my mama said so. I, I, I've, been, I've been going to Brother Tim's all my life, and I, I just, I'm just raising the message. Look, friends, God does not want us to be Amish. He's not looking for us to be Mennonites or, or Church of the Latter-day Saints or Church of Christ. He wants you to have such a revelation of what this word is that if your pastor turned away from God, it wouldn't move you. If your mama turned away from God, if your daddy turned away from God, it would not move you because you have the living reality of the living God. And the living word is made manifest to you. You're not taking mama's word. You're not taking the pastor's word. God has revealed it to me. Brother Ram said, Samson was a kind of ladies man. He yielded his strength to God. But he wouldn't give his heart to God. He gave that to Delilah. And that's all God could use was his strength. You imagine God gives the man the strength and the man turns right back around and says, here you go, God. I will be a vessel to destroy these people. I will do this part of your work. And he turns and gives it to God. God supernaturally moves on him. And all the time, Samson has his heart totally encased. And it has Delilah's name on it. I wonder how many of us sitting here in this place tonight. Our voice belongs to God. Her hair, her dress, maybe even a tense of your wages. You're faithful. Yes, you give that to God. You would not at all dare to take tithing and buy gas with it. You'd hitchhike to work first because that's God's portion. That's God's money. You don't spend that. But what about your heart?
You see, the heart can be such a deceitful thing. A person can really believe in their intellect that they have the Holy Ghost. And they look at, well, I'm different, I'm changed. But remember, the Holy Ghost in your eye will never debate, argue, or refute God's Word. It will always say amen to the Word. Let us look at another man by the name of Saul. Of course, we know that Saul was the first king of Israel. And Saul was the epitome of the people. Leaders generally reflect the dispensation of the time frame we're in. This is why in our nation we have such rotten leaders now. It matches the majority of the people. Well, praise the Lord. It would be unfitting for us to have an Abraham Lincoln. It would be unfitting and unbecoming for us to have a George Washington because it would not match the people. So Saul was the epitome of the rebellious people. And Saul was that type of a man. Yet it was a man that God had allowed to be used. First Samuel 13, 5, if you'd like to read with me. And the Philistines gathered themselves together to fight with Israel. 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen. Notice 6,000 horsemen. And the people as the sand which is on the seashore in multitude, they came up and pitched in Michmash eastward from Bethaven. When the men of Israel saw that they were in a strait, for the people were distressed, then the people did hide themselves in caves and in thickets and in rocks and in high places and in pits. And some of the Hebrews went over to Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. As for Saul, he was yet in Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. Now it's a pretty scary time. You've got 600 men. You've got all these on the other side. It's one thing when you're leading an army of 300,000, which he had done before. But now the enemy has caught him with only a very few in his ranks. In the hour of stress, in the hour of trouble, is when we really prove who we are. Notice he tarried seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed. But Samuel came not to Gilgal and the people were scattered from him. Oh, Saul. Oh, Saul, if you've been able to maintain your faith. Here we are at the very seventh day that the prophet of God had told him, I will be there with you at the end of seven days. It wasn't but two to three hours before the setting of the sun. The seventh day is almost over, Lord children. Do you hear what I'm saying tonight? The church age that we're living in, the time frame, the bride. Time. Oh, hallelujah. We're almost home and people are quitting now. People are turning back now and we're at the very end. Can't you see the lights? We're almost there and people are saying, I can't make it no more. Saul was that close. It was still the seventh day, but Samuel had not showed up. Now, let's give him a little bit of credit here. You could see where he would have been afraid. You've got thousands of chariots. You've got thousands of these people that are gathered together. And the prophet ain't nowhere to be found. He's gone off the scene. They were waiting and waiting and waiting. Oh, my. 
And Saul said in verse 9, Bring hither a burnt offering to me and peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. Saul was more ambitious of gaining a victory than waiting on the simplicity of the fulfillment of God's word as our brother spoke to us about this morning. What God would have done in a supernatural way to take a handful of men and annihilate an army if Saul would have waited. But you see, Saul could give his sword to God. He could give his temperament of war and he was quite the king when he come to fight him. But he could never give the simplicity of obeying God's word. Waiting. Just simply waiting. Waiting is hard on all of us. Especially in this push button age. We got instant coffee, instant oatmeal, drive throughs which is pretty much trying anybody's patience going through a drive through Sometimes I just go in through and say, give me whatever you want. You will anyway. <laughs> what difference does it make what you order? <laughs> and yet at all, the fast, instant, this, that, the other, you can touch somebody in Africa and in a matter of seconds, they'll answer you. You can be able to Instagram and whatever more. And yet in this very age, God has not changed the way he builds character. And that is very, very, very which is very, very hard on us. And we don't like it. So we want God to... I know some of y'all think I've never heard him preach a song in my life. So what's it make you want to do? Makes you want to say the words for me, don't it? It makes you want to speed me up. Grab a hold of my speed adjuster and speed me up. And you see in the very age of all ages that God is saying, I still want my people to come the same way. A tribulation worketh patience, patience experience, experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. How are we going to get character the same way God made it for thousands of years? Through testing and trials and trouble and difficulty, and we stand right there at the promise of the Word and say, I don't know what to do. I don't know if I should go that way or that way or that way or that way. I don't know. But I know he said he will never leave me. It's his promise. So Saul fighting. You imagine he was a man with a sword. He could cut heads off. He could cripple. He could maim. He could fight. But now he's got to wait. Wait. So in the morning before breakfast, Johnson, you imagine going out, numbering the people, comes back to his daddy. Fifty left during the night. Seventy-five more left between the eggs and the bacon. I mean, this went on down. We ain't got nobody left. If we don't do something, I don't know what's going to happen. So I said, all right. I know God sent us a prophet. But I think it's time we move outside of what he said. 
I think we need to take this thing on our own and just go ahead and say a few things that he almost said. He didn't say it, but he almost said it. And let's just read between the lines and let's add a little here and take away there. I'm going to step in there and offer a sacrifice to God. You imagine he slaughtered that sacrifice as a king would kill. Blood squirting out all over his hands. Oh, I'm in my measure. I'm in my elements. Killing. That was his element. But not waiting. Not full obedience. Is it any wonder that we see him after this time? Imagine, walk with me in his tent as we see him sitting over on his throne, moaning and groaning and bellowing. Did you see him? Did you see him? Who, who, Father? Who? That demon in the night. That evil that comes to torment me. Instead of having the realities of God, he had the realities of demons. Lord God. There's still time, so it's the seventh day. It's just a couple of hours to the setting of the sun. It's still time for the word to be fulfilled. I can't do it no more. Let's go out among the Pentecostals and see if we can get somebody in here to bring us a revival. Please don't misunderstand me. We don't need Benny Hinn to come and bring a revival to us. Benny Hinn is fitting for the hens. And the chickens of the denominations. We've got anointed men of God that have an eagle message. That's going to take this bride out of here. Oh, hallelujah. Praise be to God. Look at all. What does he have? The same thing Samson had. An unsurrendered heart. Notice in verse 10, and it came to pass as soon as he had made an end of an offering, the burnt offering, behold, and Saul went out. Notice, as soon as he makes an end, guess who shows up? The prophet Samuel. He was that close to camp. Now keep this in your mind in these days that we're gathered together. Your answer Your deliverance might be that close to you today. And here you are sitting tonight. Well, I don't know if I can take it anymore. I'm not sure that I can do it. I I don't know. I don't know if I even want to go on with this or not. I've prayed. I've prayed. I've done everything I know to do. And God seemed like he adores me. It seemed like God don't move. God blesses people all around me. Oh, people tell me what they've got out of the meetings. And I feel like I haven't done anything. But it ain't over yet. I said it ain't over yet. Tonight might be your night. In the morning might be your morning. Wait, don't do like so. Don't do like so. Give your heart to God. It will help you to endure patiently. Oh, Lord God. Lord Jesus. Saul lost his kingdom. His dynasty. He would have reigned. His name would have lived for a thousand years. 
with a lack of two hours of daylight. How many times have we sold out our victory when it was an hour away or two hours away and we gave up? You imagine, friends, where we are in time. We're right at the very end. We are the last runners on the scene. There is not. I, I, I'm just going to express my heart tonight. I do not believe there is another generation of ministers that's going to come and replace all these guys that are on the platform and you brothers out there. I don't believe there's another generation of young people that's going to come and y'all are going to be 80, 90 years old. I believe with all of my heart there are young people sitting in this place tonight and older people like me and Brother Tim that are going to see the body change. That we are the generation that's going to experience the rapture and the resurrection. And yet there are people right now turning away. They're going back to the world. Going back to the things of the world. And we're so close. The baton has been handed to us. And they're saying run, run, run. You can do it. Keep running young people. But I don't feel it. Run anyhow. But I pray that he doesn't answer. Run anyhow. I don't know what to do. Run anyhow. Give your heart to God. Not just your music, not just your voice, not just your long hair, but give God your heart. That's when we will have realities. Lord Jesus. Notice in 1 Samuel 13, 11, Samuel said, what hast thou done? And Saul said, Because I saw that the people were scattered from me. Now watch a person who God does not own their heart. All their shortcomings are always somebody else's fault. Well, if it wasn't for mama, and if it wasn't for daddy, and if I hadn't been born with red hair, and I've been scarred, and I, I've been through a lot of complexes, and I, I'm this, and I'm that. Well, it's the preacher's fault. If there wasn't so much argument in the message, I might be able to give God your heart. Those things, sure, they bother you, but you just step right over the top of them. But notice a man who could give God his arm in battle. No telling by the West how many men this man had slain. You imagine he's in his element. He would take a javelin. He would take a sword. He would take a spear. Oh, the anointing would come on King's Hall. And he would slay them right and left. But when it comes to waiting on the promise of God to be fulfilled, the sword couldn't do it. A javelin couldn't do it. Took patience from the heart. You know who owned Saul's heart? Saul. Oh, many of you, you don't go out and drink. You don't run around. You don't dope. And you don't many of those things. But yet your heart belongs to you. Because you don't trust fully. Trust preachers a little bit. Trust people a little bit, and that's as far as you go. And then you enshroud yourself in this tomb of your own self-will, of protection, and never let anybody get very close because you don't want to be hurt. Well, I want to tell you right now, loving any human is risky. 
So if you want to live by yourself the rest of your life and have no friends and have no companions and so on in life, up to you. You'll be a lonely old hermit or a lonely old maid. But whatever you choose to do, that's entirely up to you. Or you can be able to surrender and risk loving. Notice this. Because I saw the people were scattered from me and thou camest not. Now it's not only the people's fault, but it's the prophet's fault. I was put in this unfair position. It wasn't fair. You said you was going to come and you didn't show up. And look at the people. Bunch of sorry, bunch of outfits. I'm telling you what. And this is the kind of people God gave me. The great King Saul. And I've got to deal with these kind of people. Praise the Lord. Thou camest not within the days that thou appointed. This is a lie. He's on the seventh day. And the Philistines gathered themselves together at Migmash. Therefore said, I, Brother Andrew, that was this morning. I, the Philistines will come down upon me to Gilgal. And I have not made the supplication unto the Lord. Now look at him. I force myself. Do it, Saul. I don't want to. I don't want to do it. No, I don't want to. Don't do it. Right. I force myself, therefore, and offer a burnt offering. If his heart would have been given to God, he would have stood there and said, I don't know how this is going to come out. But I'd rather die trying and fulfilling God's word than to overstep my position. I'm going to trust God. I said, I'm going to trust God. So the Philistines are mustering on the hillsides. The chariots are gathered. Thousands times thousands of people are there. And that Saul, instead of gaining, is losing. Every day, people going away. So what do I do? I'll react according to my best understanding of the situation. And I'll figure it out. And how many times have we done that and messed up big time? Any honest folks in here tonight, preachers included? Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God. Which he commanded thee, for now will the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. So you forfeit millennia for two hours of time. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man. Notice, after His own heart. You see, heart means so much to God. Brother Donnie, will I ever get to a place that I'm free from mistakes? You will in your new body. You might as well forget it. You're never going to get to a place as a human being where you're going to be free from your own mistakes. Oh, some of you want to blame your shortcomings on your mama, your daddy, the devil. A lot of times the poor old devil didn't even do it. A lot of times he don't have to use a whole lot against us. All he's got to do is turn us against us. And we turn ourselves inside. We destroy ourselves and annihilate ourselves. 
But dear Saul, look at him, his heart. He could not give to God. But God said, this is the kind of man I want. I want a man that's after my own heart. Oh, David had his mistakes, did he not? David had his shortcoming. But there's one thing you got to say about David. David knew how to repent. David knew how when he had made horrible mistakes, he knew how to come back to God. Not because he was just caught, but in the very sincerity of a repentance. And God, forgive me. Oh, may my sin be washed away. Cleanse me with hyssop and I shall be pure. But Saul never learned how to repent properly. Because God never had his heart. Notice this in the unfailing realities. Brother Branham says it this way. This is what we lack. We don't want to surrender our ways. We don't want to surrender our societies. We don't want to surrender the little clique we belong to. You don't want to give any time. You've got to do this and you've got to do that instead of praying. You don't want to surrender things to God. God wants you to surrender. Closing, I'll say this, he said. A whole lot more I'd like to say. God wants a complete surrender. When you surrender everything, then you'll find out what I'm talking about is the truth. You know how people can walk away from this message and turn their back on it and get on websites and ridicule the prophet and ridicule you and ridicule every one of these preachers that are preaching it because this message was never a reality. Christianity versus idolatry by humbling ourselves to his death and reckoning ourselves nothing. Then the Holy Ghost comes in and lifts us up and we don't trust in ourselves because we cannot do anything. But I wonder in reality how many of us here tonight believe those simple words that we cannot do it. Or do we not have certain abilities that we fall back on? I can always sing my way out. I can always do this and that. I used to be a Pentecostal preacher, as many of you know. I know a guy in Pentecost. Every day, he would commit a new chapter to memory in the Scripture. He was quite quite a man, lived a good life, as far as I knew. And I asked him one time, Brother Pat, why do you do that? He said, well, when you're preaching, you know how it is. When you're preaching, sometimes it gets hard. He said, so you just stand up and quote the Scripture. I found it always... Kind of sets the people free. And I thought, wow, that was something. Until I began to hear these things that Brother Brandon said. And I realized the man was simply using this as a crutch himself. To try to do something he could do. Because it's quite impressive when you stand and hear a preacher quote verbatim. The scripture word for word, chapter, verse, and so on. And you say, wow, that is really something. So you were you impressed with his memory or impressed with the word of God that you heard? And each of us, I wonder, as we sat here tonight, do we have our sword as it was with Saul? Do we have our ability like, like Samson? Or do we have our ability like Peter? Or our ability like Martha? Or do we have our ability in whatever it is? And whenever we get in a hard spot, we always fall back on that to bring us out. Did somebody die? I didn't want to scream too loud. Somebody did? You know what God's looking for in this camp? Prisoners. Prisoners. Brother Ram said, and a prisoner 
God always takes any man that will serve him truly to be his prisoner. A man has to surrender every ambition that he's got. Everything is life, soul, body, will, ambition, everything else to be a complete prisoner of Jesus Christ. So let's say you commit a felony, the jury finds you guilty, the judge sentences you to 25 years in prison. You go into prison, you lose your cell phone, you lose part of your identity, you're assigned a number, you lose your shoes. I don't care if stripes is not your favorite color. I don't look good in stripes. They really don't care. And your stripes are going to be the same color stripes that everybody else wears. Because in the prison, they tell you what clothes to put on. You get up at a certain time. You go to bed at a certain time. Amen. You don't order your food from a great big menu. It is served. You go in. You eat it. Oh, my. Don't you understand what the Lord wants? He wants prisoners of love. But we're not held by fear. We're not held by captivity of the devil. We are held by bonds of love. We give our all to him because we love him. We give our use to him because we love him but yet we are prisoners prisoners oh can I have a little bit more time I was going to take it anyway but it's just really nice when y'all agree with me <laughs> Matthew twenty six thirty one. let's move to the New Testament to another character here St. Peter all oh, we all love him is a great man Peter was quite an individual Peter, one thing I like about him was, he's full of mistakes. You mean you don't like people like that? (laughs) Then saith Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Arguing with God. I'm guilty. Anybody else in here guilty of arguing with God? God, I don't understand this. And God, why did you do that? And God, you know, I I put in my resume a few times for God's job. But after I went to looking at his characteristics, I realized I just don't qualify. So I've withdrawn my application from being the Almighty. Now, come on, no life in me. You know it's the truth. You looked at yourself and said, God, why don't you do this? And God, how come you don't do that? You're applying for God's job. First of all, you're not omnipotent, you're on omnipresent, you can't heal, you can't raise the dead, you cannot create. So I'm telling you right now, don't put in your job application for my daddy's job. Because he is the only one that can be Almighty God. I like to remind the devil every and every now and then that he's the devil that's not omnipresent, he's not omnipotent, he cannot heal, he cannot raise the dead, and every now and then I like to say, happy birthday, devil, and I like to sing him this song, happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you. You're wondering what? The devil had a day he started. So that means he's not a day. He will end. Hallelujah. Our God never started. Praise the God. Hallelujah. Your soul. 
when there is no more devil, you still will be. When there is no more sickness, you still will be. Think of it, friends. All the trials we go through will one day be destroyed. Brother Ram said, one day all your troubles and all your tests of life will form together in a little mist and they'll just roll away. (laughs) So here's a man that is elected. Simon Peter loves God. You believe that? predestinated to eternal life. But he's not born again. But he looks at this strength that he has and he attributes this strength to God. Now I'm strong. My Lord Jesus, I hate to correct you, but you're wrong in this. I mean, come over here at the side and let me kind of straighten you out on this because you included me with the rest of these guys. And I don't fit with John. Now, poor Philip, he's weak. Matthew, we know what he was, tax collector. Well, I can't expect to have a guy work for the IRS. <laughs> of course, Mark, we know what he was and all the rest of these guys. But now, Lord Jesus, when you put me in the same category with the rest of these guys, no. I'm just telling you right now, I will not. I don't care what Brother Tim does. I don't care what Brother Andrew does. Not me. What is this a sign of? An unsurrendered heart. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. I love you so much, and I'm such a great person. Now come on, friends, don't sit there and look at me like I'm a Martian. Just be honest. You wonder why God didn't make a total, total replica of you all over the entire earth and fill the whole earth with yous. Think about it. Why do we have arguments? Why do we have disagreements? Because people disagree with us. There would be no arguments if everybody agreed with you. Well, come on now. Well, I don't like this. I don't think that looks right. Did you see that dress she had on today? Oh, my Lord. Who in the world taught that girl how to put colors together? And, of course, you're using your own taste as the example. Come on now. Don't laugh at me, sisters. It's exactly the truth. And you're Peter saying, Lord, I am so different than the rest of these guys. Only in your head, Peter. Sure, no doubt, John will. Big baby. You have to baby him around. He gets to lay over on your chest. And and then John says, oh yeah, you love him. Baby him. Big baby. But I am the rock. Hallelujah. I'm about to have a spell. Hallelujah. I'm the rock. Oh, glory to God. I'm the rock. Amen. You see, the sign of an under-surrendered heart can show great religious emotion. Brother Andrew quoted from this this morning. 
perfect strength. We mustn't trust the ability of ourselves or any man. We must completely yield to God. No ability, I don't care whose it is, will never be usable in the sight of God. God has to get all of our abilities out of us before he can achieve his purpose. If he's got something for us to do, and as long as we feel we're doing a pretty good job of it, we'll never be able to be used of God. It's amazing how even sometimes supernatural gifts will parallel with natural abilities in human beings' lives. The supernatural gift will lead them in the direction of being a leader. And they will have many times natural abilities that they were naturally born a leader. They'll battle their entire life trying to struggle between which one they're following. Their natural ability or the leadership of God. Can God use that? Yes. As long as it's surrender to Him. But when we take it in our hands and say, Now God, I'm going to do this. God said, Go ahead. Good luck. You see, the presumptuous person imagines they can meet any challenge. Praise God. Come on, devil. (laughs) You want to fight? Come on. Tackle me. I'm ready for you. The devil says, trip him up, boys. (laughs) Just give him a mirror. The devil don't have to drag out big old cannons for a lot of us and A-bombs and H-bombs and a lot of bombs. All he needs is a mirror. And he puts that mirror in front of our face. We've spent all day looking in the mirror. We're war plumb out. And then when we're war out, the devil comes up, one knock, we're out. Why we spend all day looking in the mirror at ourselves? I can sing, I can pray, I can quote the word, I can do this, I can do that. You see, the humble man, the humble woman, boy or girl, they believe God's called them to be elect. They believe God's given them abilities. They know without God helping them every day of their life. They'll make the office mess it was. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never. Do you understand me, Jesus? I said, read my lips. <laughs> Need I say more, Jesus? I thought you was all knowing. I don't understand what's going on here. Oh, Lord, how vain we as human beings can be. No doubt, Peter thought it was God-given ability. This is why I'm so strong. It comes from God. If it would have come from God, he would have never failed. But he's trusting his own strength. No doubt, sincere. Sincere, Brother Craig. Looking at God and all loving Him. Now Peter ignored the prophecy of Zechariah 13, 7. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd and against the man that is my fellow, saith the Lord of hosts. Smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered and I will turn my hand on the little ones. His intent was to prove I am superior to the rest of my brothers. My church is bigger. 
more people click on my website. I know you laugh at remarks like that, but you'd be surprised how many message preachers think that very way. I don't care how much we get to preach. I don't care how many people listen to us. We are all worthless servants. Everything we have that's good comes from our Father. What can we brag about, brothers? Brother Andrew, what can you brag about? Nothing. What can we brag about, brothers? What can you brag about? Only testify to the glory of God. If you're the most beautiful singer in this place tonight or the most talented musician, I hope and pray you never think it's you. Notice Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee that this night before the cock crow, Thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter said unto him, O Lord, I'm so sorry. I humble myself before you. O God, I repent. Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee. Can you imagine a human being being so arrogant to argue with God? He couldn't believe this. You know why? Peter did not know his own heart. He had never been tested to where he's fixing to be tested. Everything he'd been through so far, well, he blundered along the way, but everything he'd been through so far, he was able to recuperate. I'll stand for you, Lord. He said, this will be nothing different. Jesus said, no, it won't. You're going down, boy. <laughs> not me. <laughs> John, sure. Matthew, absolutely. Judas, well, we all know where he's going. (laughs) But not me. I am your rock. Jesus could have easily said, right now, you are my stuffed shirt. (laughs) You are vain. You are carnal. And you're not born again. Though I should die with thee. Yet will not I deny thee likewise also said all the disciples. Oh, look how Mark says it in Mark 14, 31. But he spake the more vehemently. Now Peter's getting angry. Jesus, I don't tell you, you're embarrassing me in front of the church. Now what do you think they're going to think about me now with these keys hanging on my side? I've got the keys of the kingdom. I'm your rock. You're going to build your whole church on me. And now you're letting on like I'm some kind of mortal or something. You're acting like I'm a human of some sort. Duh. So he answers Jesus with a strained voice and maybe red in his face vehemently. Right on the verge of anger. If I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. Likewise also said they all. Self-confident language. Luke twenty-two thirty-one, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you sweet. Probably some of you young people, y'all know what a sifter is? Some of you do? What part of the south you're from? <laughs> Many of y'all Yankees don't know what a sifter is, do you? 
Well, we used to have one in our house when I was a little boy because the flower and the, the grain and all that sometimes is pretty rough. So it was a piece of metal about this big, had a crank on it and a fine mesh, wire mesh in the bottom. And I've seen my mother and my grandmother do it. Whenever they pour that coarse flour, coarse meal inside of there, and they just go over it and over it and over it and over it, and you'd find little pieces of shuck or little pieces of, of stuff you definitely would not want in your oats or your cornbread. So you would sift it out. And here Jesus gives the epitome of what Satan wanted to do to Peter. He said, Peter, this is the way I've looked at you. You are in the sieve of the devil. He has wanted to sift you like wheat. You're not some great supernatural man. You are fine flour that can be blown away with the wind. Notice verse 32. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, Lord, have mercy. Now Jesus goes ahead and tells all the rest of the brothers, Peter ain't even got the Holy Ghost yet. Praise God. You know what, friends? God has to bring us to such plain truths. He can't help us until we realize where we are. And we can't have any desire to move on unless we realize if you think tonight you've got everything in God you need, you'll walk away from these meetings not one step closer to God because you think you have arrived in your spiritual utopia. But every one of us, no matter how long we've been saved, how long we've been serving God, there's more for every one of us here tonight. Is there more for us preachers? There's more for me. There's more for you older people that's been serving God. Sure there is. And I'm believing God to give me more right here in these days when we're gathered together. Watch this man. Look at the unsurrendered heart. The danger of an unsurrendered heart. The Lord Jesus says, Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. But Peter answers back, and he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. I am not even afraid of the devil. Bring it on, Satan. But I wonder how strong Peter was up in the morning before sunrise. The cock began to grow. I wonder how Peter's heart felt then. You see, for many of us, it's a different setting than it was with Peter. We're not listening for the cock to crow. We're listening for the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. You have one opportunity to hear it. God will not send the archangel, the trump of God, one day. And then for those who had besetting sins in their life, give them three days and come back and get them. And then for those who kept putting it off and putting it off, send the angel back five more days, give you a week. If you're not ready that day, that moment, that hour, you miss it. Give God your great pianist ability. Give God your vocal ability. 
Give God your long hair. Brothers, give God your clean faces. Not looking like women and dressing like the world. Keep the world's identity all off of us. Wonderful. But let's give God our hearts. When we're giving God everything else. I don't want to give God my gift to preach. My gift to preach is not my salvation. It has nothing to do with my salvation. I give my heart to the Lord when I was 12 years old, started preaching when I was 18. I'll be 63 in a couple of months. As you figure, that's most of my life. But my gift to preach is not my baptism of the Holy Ghost. My ministry is not even my own personal walk, though they correlate together. And a preacher can be backslid while standing in the pulpit preaching. Because they learn to suppress their feelings. They learn to suppress everything going on in their life. And they can get away from God and step in the pulpit. And not even be where they need to be in the spirit of God. Anoint them and help you. And them in worse shape spiritually than you are. Why? Because they give their gift to God. They give their memory of the message to God. They give their ability to quote scripture to God. But God don't own their heart. We've got more, but let's stop right here. Oh, young people, all of us, not just the young people, all of us here tonight. Let us make sure. Brother Branham likened the heart to a house and many different doors inside of that house. The door of your private life, the door of this and that and the other. You remember he preached it. The Lord Jesus don't just want one door. He wants access to every avenue of your life. He wants access to your music. He wants access to the way you live at home. He wants access to the way you live when you're by yourself. When your pastor's not around you. Your wife, if you're married. Your mother. Your father. Your best friends. What you are by yourself is really what you are anyway. When people aren't watching you, you think. But we don't want the Lord Jesus just to have our praise, our emotion. Many of you would never, never give the abundance of your emotion to a ball game. You, would, you just wouldn't do it. You just, it's just not who you are. Soccer, for many of it, doesn't interest you. Baseball, football, basketball, many of those things, it just doesn't interest you. And when you come to church, you give God your strengths. You give Him your voice. You give Him your hands. But He wants more than that. He wants your heart. The anointing can come upon you and be able to anoint you to do that. And you can walk out and look at things on your phone that you shouldn't. Think things in your heart that isn't right for a Christian to think. Or behave in such a way that displeases the Lord. Oh, Hallelujah. I wonder how many of us tonight would say to God, God, I want you to have all of me. My voice, my hands, my music ability, my singing ability, whatever I am, Lord, I want you to have all of me. I don't want to keep one door in my heart and one key to that door and say, God, you stay out of there. I don't want you in there. Lord, I want you going in every avenue of my life. Friends, you understand what will destroy the people around this message that have heard it and refused to obey it. For many of them, it will not be their hair. It will not just be their long skirts. For the brothers, it will be not because that they've just kept their bodies from tattoos and this and that. 
but they've kept their heart. They've never been able to surrender their entire heart. But we're living in a time when the powers of Satan is so strong, it's going to manifest what you are. You can't keep from it. It's seed time and harvest. You might have sat around for many years, but it's going to come out. Oh, Lord God. Can we stand our feet? It's not important that the preacher sees. It's not important that your mama, your daddy, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, whoever more. What's important is that the Lord Jesus hears and sees. Just imagine your heart. You've got all these doors on the inside and you've got all these keys on this ring. Maybe your pride, maybe your arrogance, maybe stubbornness, hard-headedness. It can be a multitude of things that we have. Why don't you just go ahead and give it to him? Can you imagine he was so powerful when he died on the cross that he went down into hell and knocked on the door of hell and took the keys away from the devil? But when it comes to dealing with us, he don't want to do that. He don't want to kick the door of your heart wide open and come in like a bully and say, Hey, I'm here to take over. I'm here to take everything in your heart. I want it all. But he stands there and what does he do like a gentleman? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And then you go to the door and say, oh, it's you, Jesus. Uh, really, I, I, I'm, I'm really busy right now. Uh, I, I'll tell you what, I'll give you this key right here to my soul. I don't want to be lost. If you had saved me, I'd appreciate it. But I really don't want you telling me how to live. I don't want you telling me what to do. Oh, what would it be tonight? What kind of camp meeting, the end results of this meeting would it be? If all of us would be able to step to that door tonight and say, here's every key to my heart. My money, my thoughts, my expectations, my ambitions, my goals, my desires, my motives, everything in my life. I give every key to you. I understand when I do that, you may break my heart. I understand when I do that, your will may lead me in a way that I would not have chose. But I trust you trust you. Oh, don't be Samson. Don't be Saul. Don't be Peter. Is it any wonder, friends, that when the Lord Jesus raises from the dead and he comes back and he pulls Peter aside and he said, Simon, lovest thou me more than these? And when you look at that Greek writing, he's not talking about them fish on the fire. He's talking about his brothers. Peter's brag was, I love you more than him and him and him and him. Now Jesus turns him right back around and reverses the question. So what about it now, buddy? Do you love me more than Tim? You said you did. Are you a greater servant? Are you better? Lord, you, you know I love you. Lord, you know I love you. He wasn't going that way again. He done failed. He's on his way to a new birth. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Oh, friends, what if God could come in this way tonight? Are you better than this one? Are you better than that one? No, Lord, I'm not. Are you superior? No, Lord, I'm not. You're on your way. Let's bow heads together. Lord Jesus, as ministers of the gospel, there's so many dangers 
that we warn the people against. The dangers of the wrong kind of music. The dangers of worldliness. The dangers of the coldness of Laodicea. So many dangers. Lord, here's another danger tonight. The danger of an unsurrendered heart. I ask you, Lord God, look at me tonight, Father. See if there's anything in me that displeases you, Lord. Search me. Try me. My goals, my desires, my ambitions, Lord. Help me, Lord God. If there's one key that I still retain to my heart, I'm unaware of it, Lord. But if there is, as David said, search me out and see if there's any secret sins there. Lord, if there's anything that we believe tonight that's contrary to your word, show us. We'll fix it, Lord. If there's anything in our lives that displeases you, help us to see it, Father. Young, old, ministers, whatever we are. Oh, may there be keys jingling all over this building tonight of saints of God, children of God, walking up to the door and handing Jesus. Maybe one key, maybe two, maybe three, maybe for some it's a whole bunch. But for some of us, maybe there's not but one left, just one key, and we've kept it back for all these years. Oh, Lord God, may we be able to leave this camp meeting and say, I was able to do something by God's grace. I'd never been able to do before, and that was give a complete unsurrendered heart. I gave it to Jesus Christ. I've been a Christian for X amount of years. I've been in the message for X amount of years, but God did something in me. God did, not you, not me. God did something in me. Amen. Would you desire that tonight with me? Anybody? Raise your hands. Oh, praise God. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, we worship you tonight, Father. We bless your name, Lord. Lord, we sing the song, I Surrender All, and it's so easy to sing it, Lord, if we can be able to sing the words and frame them and find the right key that would be fitting for our voice, and we can sing it and maybe sing it so beautifully, but it sings so much easier than the reality of it is in our lives. But we know once we are truly born again, we have begun a battle which will last our entire life. That is keeping our flesh subject to the Word of God. You being the preeminent one of our hearts, our souls, our lives. Oh, Lord God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Adonai. Blessed be your name, Father. Praise be to God. Oh, right now in the stillness of the moment, would you just reach inside your heart as it were, take every key that you've guarded so meticulously, put it on the ring of love. He's knocking tonight. Don't you hear him? He's knocking. He's knocking preachers. He's knocking deacons. Oh, he's not wanting to save you. He's just wanting to open every door of your heart. Praise God. Praise be to God. Blessed be the Lord God Almighty. We worship you, Lord. We're nothing without you, Jesus. We can't make it on our own, Father. We confess tonight we're not strong enough. We're not great enough. 
No matter how long we've been a Christian, how long we've been around, Lord, we need you in this hour, Lord. The hour's too dark for us to make it on our own. The world is too set in darkness, Father. We need you every hour, every minister here tonight, Lord. We need you. We need your grace. We need your strength. We need your wisdom. We confess it tonight, Father God. You are our healer. You are our provider. We need you, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord God, we worship you, Father. Thank you, blessed God. Thank you, blessed God. The altar is open for you if you just like to come and kneel if you want to do that. Amen. Just make your confession to him, Lord. I need you. Here's this key. Here's that key, Lord. Here's my pride. Here's the key. My arrogance, this and that and the other, Lord. I bring it to you tonight, Jesus. I'm sorry I kept it, Lord. I want more reality. This is the way to get it. Give up keys. Jesus will never ask you for something, but he don't give you something greater back. Give him a key tonight. Give him two. Give him three. He'll give you something so much greater. Praise God. Oh, Jesus. Create in me a clean heart. Amen. Let's just sing it together. Blessed Lord Jesus. And renew rising spirit within me. Cast me not away. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, young people, don't be like Peter. Don't be like Saul. Don't be like Samson. Give your heart to God now while there's time. Praise God. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe you've lost your joy tonight. He's here to restore that for you as well. And renew the right spirit.